Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. And my name's Williams, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, what's up? Just uh, staying cool, having a great summer. Uh, Ooh, tell me, uh, tell me, you. We are recording under special circumstances. That's because you are broadcasting live from the planet Vulcan. Yeah, it is. Um, let me get my facts straight. I got called out yesterday because I was like, "It's 110 degrees," and uh, it was actually 106 degrees. It is cur- <laughs> currently like 109 liar. degrees where I am, and expected to continue to rise up to 111 later this afternoon. Wild. So, um, the special circumstances that I get to leave my air conditioning on while we record. So the quality might be less than. I think the noise gate will ca- will will kill it in between, like when I'm not talking. But right now, it's probably humming in the background a little bit. <laughs> I have I have custom named the noise gate to be against the L.A. freeway. Like <laughs> that's what I named the custom preset. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fine. Um, listeners, I would put on air conditioning right now if I were you too, just to kind of get the environment. We're all in Adam's office right now. <laughs> I, um, I've turned the lights off. I've taken a page from your book. Yes. Uh, the fans running, the air's running, and I'm just in the closet corner, leaning over towards the mic. It's fine. It's good. The next step is to decrease your heart rate to low double digits. <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get a thirty to forty in there, Adam. <laughs> Uh, I need to get my Joy-Con. It can read my heart rate through the infrared camera. Whoa, what? I I got the Nintendo Switch uh, Ring Fit to to do fitness. Uh, Hang out the dra- the hot dragon. Yeah. Well, it turns out that they're the antagonist, and they're. <laughs> you have this ring, and the ring is like I used to have special powers. I used to train with this dragon, but then the dragon like won't stop training. Like he his muscles are going to explode <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't need me anymore. And so the ring is wrong. your buddy and you go on this like trying to find Drago and be like, Hey no. bud, you need to relax a little bit. But you do that in combat and you do combat by doing exercise. So I lost a lot of friends that way. <laughs> Getting too strong and I wouldn't stop working out. Drago is definitely too swole though. Really? I mean, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> they're bulging in, in like uh in a really strong way just like mm. yeah the the muscles might t- start tearing through the skin and that's what i'm worried about um but when you do the exercise at the end of the exercise it's like do you want to check your heart rate and i'm like yeah because i definitely am sweating i'm kind of out of breath let me see where i'm at here uh and you just put your thumb over the infrared camera that's on the bottom of the red joy con on switch and somehow the infrared can like read and detect your heart rate and you just wow. hold it there for 10 to 20 seconds and it tells you like what um like what level of uh what's it called what level of exercise Tired. you're doing i guess like moderate to intense aerobic activity that's it aerobic activity oh, so okay um because it also knows i told it how much i weigh and how tall i am and all that shit so it like figures out how many calories i'm burning and it also can tell me like if if I do it and my heart rate's too high, it'll be like, "Hey, bud, maybe take a take the step down on this next level. Maybe maybe turn the AC on, get in the closet, get that heart rate <laughs> down to thirties, forties." I just wanted to loop back and say that my Vulcan reference was not Star Trek. It's the hypothetical planet that early astronomers thought was between Mercury and the Sun. Just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> I am neither funny nor topical. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. But I have a blood oximeter that I bought at the beginning of all this because I heard that like a good way to tell if you had got the coronavirus is uh, that your blood oxygen level plummets. <laughs> and so I bought I bought this uh, blood oximeter that whenever I get a little bit nervous, I go and check. And I'm always in the high 90s, basically the best grades I've been getting of my life <laughs> I'm getting now <laughs> in the quarantine. Uh. I feel like I don't want to stay on it, but I've definitely noticed myself becoming extremely more afraid of it in the last, I don't know, even like week or two. Yeah, like what I, the fuck is up with that? I went out for burgers yesterday uh, to a place that we've gone a couple times. It's just like takeaway only from a window and they have the best 
fried chicken. But uh, there were we, we went with a couple of friends and that's always been normal because I know these friends and we like they get tested like three times a week and everybody's safe. Right. So it doesn't feel weird to eat with them. But then there was like three other people who like someone knew someone and they just stood with us. And I was like, yo, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm eating chicken nuggets 10 feet away from a stranger who's eating chicken nuggets. Not cool, man. Like, but I don't know their deal. Yeah. I think it's the, the, the fear of the other or like I I've, I've gotten comfortable with the idea of the four people that we see outside of our homes on a somewhat regular basis. Um, as soon as that is changed, I'm like, I'm out. I'm not cool with this anymore. Uh, yeah, it's it's like every uh, kind of crime movie when two people show up that you didn't know were going to be there. Yeah, they're like, they're vouched for, or or this happens a lot in Sopranos and like all the mafia movies. Like, uh, who the fuck is this guy? It's cool. Who's I this brought, guy? <laughs> he's cool. He's my friend. <laughs> he's coming for nuggets. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely noticed, and and, and it was funny too. Is like in the event that I order delivery or I go to the grocery store or something, those, those things don't trigger that response in me in the same way that like being near a stranger. Uh, well, I, th- I think it's a little bit about like going out to eat and eating somewhere is a risk. And for sure. you have perfect knowledge of yourself and whoever you're going with that you're okay. But the second you're like, well, I know that other people are doing this that aren't doing what I'm doing. There's like Which a, say, you know, getting in the closet, getting the heartbeat <laughs> down at 30s, 40s, getting the intimacy ACL. aspect to it, too, where it's like the person yeah. who walks past me in the grocery store, we're just both doing a task that needs doing. But like the friend of a friend I'm supposed to be like cool with <laughs> and I'm not. Who is this guy? To, yeah. Uh, who are these two guys? That happens in Red Dead Redemption. Two guys show up and then Arthur's like. Who are you? <laughs> it's really funny. Um, yeah, uh, like, you know, I go to the convenience store, and there's always just people that are just, you know, passing a little bit too close, getting into my Corona. Um, I meant Corona like when the sun does a sunspot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I so, don't, Adam, but... I'm talking a lot about the sun. It's, yeah. I just wanted to let you know that I've begun worshiping the sun again. You t- you've done some research. I actually think the sun is God. <laughs> uh, no, uh, like, you know, the corona, uh, uh, there is this thing surrounding the sun, and it's called the corona. Is and it, I, like, an atmosphere-esque, like... You know when you see, like, a picture, a movie of the sun? A movie or a picture? I mean, a little clip, a little video clip of the sun, and it looks like there's wind blowing all the fire around? Yeah, yeah. That's the corona. Have you seen the movie Sunshine? No. You got you got to. If I like this kind of stuff. It's just a, a it's a sci-fi movie. Oh, from, I'm down. Um they're they're flying near the sun. You you'll love it. I actually am very <laughs> sure of it. It sounds like I it truly does. <laughs> I don't want to say anything more because it's the kind of movie that is best appreciated I think when you know nothing about it. Wow. Okay. Uh so I heard you had a pretty interesting uh, movie experience recently. <laughs> this is this is like your late night talk show vote. Like y- you've already been prepped on what is going to be said. <laughs> I really like doing that. Now I just like whenever I see a clip from a talk show, something I'll do nowadays is just um, see Hannibal Burris talk on TV. Like that's just kind of something that helps me. And so he... Somehow, because he is it's like really normal dude syndrome, like he just is kind of a dude who talks about shit. You know, he's not like a fucking movie star. Right, he's not really he doing is. like a character. Yeah, he's just kind of doing his own thing. So when he's on talk shows, it feels so phony because he <laughs> he's just trying to chill. And anyway, Adam, uh, apparently you had a little bit of experience with a, a motion picture uh, yeah. event. Last night, my favorite movie of 2020 is Whoa. Uncle Peckerhead. It Uncle is Peckerhead. Um, like a punk rock horror comedy uh, that is available for rentals now on, on like all the rental services. Um, and it is 
really fantastic. It's just like low budget. Um, the the premise is this punk band wants to go on tour, and uh, they already and great. They they pick up a roadie, kind of just like on a whim, and this roadie turns out to be like a cannibal demon, and that's really it. <laughs> like they're on I- tour with this person in their camp who it who eats people um just for 13 minutes at midnight every night so <laughs> it's not full time right like they uh but yeah it was just exceptional i won't i won't talk about too much about it because it is brand new and i i expect someone will will i i expect people will want to watch it and not have things spoiled about it but it's just really fun it made me really weirdly nostalgic for like DIY touring, like the first couple years of touring that I did, uh, where there's just this attitude of like, I guess this is fine because if we say no, like we're not doing this show and we're here to do shows. So you just like, you give an inch, you give an inch, you give an inch. And <laughs> next thing you know, there's someone eating somebody and you're just like, well, okay. As long okay. as, as long as we get to the next show, this is fine. Um, that reminds me a lot of my experience of thirsting for human flesh. <laughs> uh, th- there's also th- there's like original music. It's a fake a fake band called Duh, and but a real band like wrote the songs and they're That's awesome. Kind of they're pretty good. Um, the review I left on Letterboxd is: if you've ever been to Fest, you will like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you leave Letterbox reviews? I don't usually. I just give ratings and and like I use it to keep track of movies that I've seen. But if I really like something, I'll usually just do like a smarmy, like one sentence thing like that. Oh, I love that. I, uh, I, I have a letterbox account and I haven't used it since before the quarantine. And it is always like letterbox rush for January. <laughs> it's like you watched Red Sonia and you liked it. I think we're friends on there. But yeah, I, I started using it at the beginning of quarantine to be like, when this is over, it'll be fun to look back at all the movies I watched. I'm going to want to know all the shit I forgot. Not realizing that I've watched, it, like, probably on average five movies a week for for the duration, like, since March. Yeah. And not yeah. even including, we had the AMC pass, so before that we were still going to a movie every week in the theater. So, saw a lot of movies this year. Um, you ever get that teen drink? <laughs> I am not, I'm not able to. It's um like we said, you're two sixteen year olds. It's very cosmic. It's like uh when I, I when I try to read the text to get the deal, <laughs> it's just characters I've never seen before. It's in a language that's never been written. That's what using a new social media feels like. Yeah, it does. That's um even when I, I signed up for Pillow Fort, like everyone did in that kind of like weird panic rush that Twitter was going to shit the bed. And I have never logged in again because I am not. I'm just I think I'm done with learning the new ones. You learn TikTok really well. <laughs> so I think I think you're wrong about that. Like, I think you have a higher propensity than most to to grokking the new social medias i'm flattered did you did you see my tiktok last week of how you can find anything you want on the internet yeah i really liked it i commented on it (laughs) i think i'm gonna make a series of 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 some more life hacks i I really enjoy like educating people with what i've learned from my time on the computer you have this ability to have this very sincere innocent (laughs) kind of (laughs) it's really good Everybody follow Adam on TikTok. Do not follow me. I am at CyberEvent2000 on TikTok. It's a good follow. Premium follow. Um, I was telling Erica this morning that I, I might start doing... You know on TikTok, there's the like TikTok made me buy or like most obscure thing to find on Amazon. But they're all very clearly like the person who's wholesaling this made this video. Like, yeah, yeah, This yeah, is yeah, like yeah, guerrilla yeah. marketing. I'm going to do that like... TikTok made me buy this role-playing game. I like Dungeons and Dragons, but this is a whole new level. And just like sell my games on TikTok this way. <laughs> see if anybody busts me. Well, so I I did hear that uh, the way to defeat art reposters on TikTok is to pretend to be one and repost your own art. So you can just be like, 
here's this um, exactly what you say like this amazing game where you play a band against demons. It's called Protest Singer. <laughs> yeah, that shit works, but it's also the weird like it, it's very um it taps into the psychology of TikTok in that like you always want to be on the the crest of the wave of whatever's trending. Right. And so you you illustrate that you 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 make the illusion that something is a trend and then people make that a reality, right? Like it would only take a couple of views for someone to be like, "Oh, this is going to be the next big thing. I should I should get in on it now." And that that false it's 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 not necessarily a false scarcity, but more like false just hype, false buzz. People right, on TikTok the, buy the, the all FOMO, the time. Yeah, the FOMO bite. So many of them are so obviously fake, and I love I love it. Just like it, it is on my level of shit post, but they're doing it sincerely. Of just right. like I found this key ring on Amazon. Get it now. Link in bio, and it's like I'm good. My keys are on a ring, but like. <laughs> This is technology that's been around for probably centuries. You always see like prison guards with the big honking ring and there's keys all over it. <laughs> these fucking prison guards with these big honking rings <laughs> hanging off their belt. You didn't come OG up with this. wallet chain, these motherfuckers. I'm sitting in there serving a life sentence for looking at the queen and I'm going to hook my little finger around that thing and get myself out. Um yeah uh wow wardens this is an anti-warden <laughs> podcast yeah we're gonna uh we're gonna take back the warden key rings we're gonna have the six inch diameter key rings and make them fashionable you know that same energy is visible with the e-boys wearing uh duralock <laughs> chains and locks around their necks i haven't seen this i'm not tapped into the the e oh wow e person the only um, times I ever see it are the girl from Hereditary. Wait, what? The, 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 the kid from Hereditary, the one that clicks, um, they're an e-girl, like, deeply. Now? On TikTok with, like, neon wow. green hair. Okay, uh, I'll just explain to you quickly. Like, do you know the e-boy type? Have you seen it? It's, like, the striped long sleeve shirt over, under a black shirt that maybe says like pro bash shop on it or something. And then you listen to uh white boy mumble rap. It sort of feels just like the modern continuation of like scene stir. Definitely. Yeah. It's It'll, fine. I don't really yeah, have any problems with it. One thing is just wearing a, a padlock around your neck. Hmm. So it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a callback. They're doing a little bit of an homage to Wardens of Past. <laughs> yeah, I have this lock around my neck, but the person who has the key has this big honking ring, and they just collect <laughs> they collect keys from all the other e-boys. Wow, we're unfortunately writing a role-playing game now. We're pretty deep in the episode, too, and I think we have to follow this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a fun hangout episode. Let's take a break and come back and hang out more. Okay. podcast we've got the keys to your neck now headlock i've heard of uh have you ever seen these e <laughs> e-boys they have like a padlock that they wear around their neck i saw a guy wear that on the bus uh in real life not just online it's also in real life it does bring up or like i i do wonder if there are keys keys involved, if there's like another level to it beyond the cosmetic of like, there's a lock on my neck because if it's a digit one, it's like, well, you, you probably know the numbers. You can take that off whenever you want, but if it's a key, 
you either own your own key and you run the risk of like misplacing it and having this lock around you for all, all time or someone else has it and then it becomes like a dominance thing that's interesting mm. some chastity energy yeah i would i would really love to um chug a chug a big gulp today but i'm afraid that the padlock <laughs> My- is going to inhibit the like gulping motion that my neck does, so I need someone to unlock me. I was going to unhinge my jaw and eat a bunch of eggs whole, but I can't now. Just pour them straight down my gullet. Um, the big honking keyring. It's is now stuck in my head. What if <laughs> the game is sold as the keyring that you have one tag on that has some of the rules? And I, like the friendship bracelet thing we talked about a very long time ago, um, you're just creating this uh, big honking warden key ring. Yeah, I like maybe that. This this is this is like real life. It, what's it called? Um, like an augmented reality game almost, right? Oh like yeah. You exist in reality, but you're playing a game that's sort of like under the surface. So you have like. The key bearers, the the wardens, and then you also have like the locked, and like basically those are the, the functions. I don't know if you could be both. Like I don't know if you could have a lock and someone else's key, but uh, there, I think there probably was a, to enter the game space you should have a lock and a key. There was a game on Kickstarter a year or two ago that was presented like as a key ring. You know when you get like uh, the grocery store reward points or whatever, and yeah, they give you the little yeah. like barcode on a plastic thing it was that size and it was like i don't know how many but each of those were a page basically and you would just have the whole game written on those in in a key ring so it was like hyper mobile and i like that i also know that we were pointing at a kickstarter that was on now of a game that was printed on a coin and it's really just like the whole rules are printed around the ring of the coin and then there's a graphic in the center um but just the idea of like rules being printed on uh, functional things, yeah. like like there's very little space on a key, obviously. But I think when you get into key rings and like um, lanyards, other yeah, other like functions that you could have with keys, there possibilities there for sure. Even just I, I was gonna do a, I still might do this eventually, like a game on a tour laminate or. Uh, more I guess commonly referred to as like a backstage pass so it's yes. this like three by five laminated thing that you usually wear around your neck but uh or you could wear it on, on a key ring and there's just a cool style thing to it too like usually the front is like holographic foil so you print your tour graphic on that side and it just looks really cool um it also disqualifies people from being able to make their own at home or at kinko's <laughs> yeah. and like make a bootleg version and then the back is usually just tour dates. But um, similarly, like you use the front as flavor and you use the back as mechanics and it's quite small, but like, you know, people have, have done more with less, you know, the res- the space restrictions, not that brutal. So I think you could use something like that to print the like guidelines or even just a cheat sheet, like a rules reference on, and then keep it with the physical keys of whatever, like, whatever tactile experience the game has of, of ringing keys um, is like contained with the rules in some way, which is handy. Right. And both these elements, like the, the backstage pass and the gearing is all about like levels of access that the players have. And so that could be a cool framework of the game, like physically limiting the spaces you can go in if it's a site specific game or something like that. Yeah, I wonder, too, that could even be, like, advancement in some way. Like, you learn a new thing, you you then gain, like, the red key or whatever. Like, now that you have the red key, you have access to... Every red door. X, Y, and Z, like, additional yeah. mechanics. So the game could sort of evolve with your progress. I think I mean, that's kind this... of the intent of a lot of just, like, level-based role-playing in general, is, like, you unlock more functions of the game as you go. But it's so difficult to present that information because you, you have the, the two minds of wanting the character, the player to know everything that they can before they make an informed decision about like what class you pick or how, how to how to play sort of. Um, at the same time, you want to 
have like revelations over the course of play, right? You want to reveal new information or you want to show secrets or, um, you kind of just want the natural experience that is learning to be integrated into play. So, uh, I think having it be physically represented in this way Mm. might be a, a, like a good, a, a function that allows for both things. Uh, one of the original pieces of advice for running a West March style game made by Ben Robbins uh, is to present the players with a door that they do not have the ability to go through in the first session of the game. So they will later say the door is like a big magically frozen door. And if you don't have magic fire or whatever magic summer to come magically melt it, you can't get through the door. Um, so it's functionally, you know, creating these locked doors everywhere that you later get the keys to play um, through like either story beats or like mechanical experience game. Having it physically be keys that you collect through the game that you can clearly identify which doors they open to, you know, progress whatever personal journey or like group wide journey it is. Seems you know, really interesting. Th- so this this triggers two things in my mind that this functionality um, kind of is already integrated into is one is geo geocaching. So like say, you know, we build this like map in Boston and there's all these locations where you get information, but you can't open the green one until you have the green key, but the green key is inside of the yellow box or whatever. So like it, it encourages a certain direction of play not encourages it almost mandates right like you cannot get into the green one until you have the green key um similarly a lot of escape rooms that i've done have done this like you you need to solve puzzles a b and c and with those components you'll be able to solve d but d is in front of you you're aware that d exists but you cannot accomplish it without these prerequisites um i actually think an escape room is a really like well one because a lot of them use actual like physical keys and locks and stuff. It is sort of the manifestation of this theory that we're talking about. Um, but opening that up into a wider world. And I think escape rooms are extremely OSR players, player skill, no character skill. Yeah. I, I love doing them, but I've never been in one and been like LARPing, right? Like I've never been I in am. one. I am the submarine captain, <laughs> um, which would be fun. It would be a different experience, but um, it's extremely just like I, as Adam, want to win this puzzle be- for the the satisfaction that it is to like get the right answer. Um, yeah, your your survival instinct is too high to get into character. <laughs> so, is there? I guess that's a good like point of of one this is a thing that works and is satisfying and is like proven theory. Uh, but two, like how can we take this tech? And I think it's again, like a, a, a circular thing and, and something we talk about a lot of like, what can stories do with this OSR tech or, or vice versa? Uh, so now we have this like linear problem solving. Um, I would maybe even call it mandatory problem solving that exists in this like layered puzzle, whether it be an escape room or a role-playing game, like a dungeon design. Um, How can we take that tech and dilute it or repurpose it for something more story forward? I gotcha. Hit me. Uh, Okay. So the dungeon is a book and the book is filled with locked pages that are literally stapled or tied or taped or glued together. And uh, when you, First get the book, you're only able to open it to several pages, which would be your dungeon entrances. Or say the the yeah, the conceit of the book is that you're stuck in the center room of this dungeon. You you're a prisoner and you got the big honking key ring ring from the <laughs> warden. And you then begin to uh test each key on each door and then make your way out of the center of, you know, this labyrinth or whatever it is. And so the more doors you open, the more access you get to different pages and you can backtrack as much as you want. It's like uh, we're also just dancing around like Metroidvania style games. Yeah. 
I yeah, just had to say it. I just know people are going to be thinking it, so I'm going to say Metroidvania. I'm not going to say it again. You can't make me. But item-based progression. Um, so, uh, yeah, you are able to, like, you, you know, open the first room, which is, like, the dungeon cell one, and then you get to, like, the underground temple and then whatever. And so each room leads to several other rooms until you have built, either found the exit or have unlocked every page in the book or special pages in the book. So it is like a choose your own adventure that you literally cannot cheat on. Um, be like you can't accidentally cheat because you have to pry open the staples and shit. So there are a few, few things that that makes me think of. Um, one, our episode gripsters and ripsters, which I think is an all time banger where Should we make talk that the, uh, the, the preview episode. That's probably, I mean, it is pretty indicative of the brain trust experience, I think, in that, like, we had a kind of pitch, and then we just knocked it out, because that was the destructive zine idea. Yeah. And and this reminds me of the, like, revisionist history game that we came up with, where you're dissembling the book and reordering the pages and, like, adding mm. new content mm. as you go. Um, this also makes me think, so Van Ryder, who is a board game publisher, they started doing these graphic novel escape room style things so like it's basically a choose your own adventure but in the presented as a comic and some of them are a little more role-playing than others i actually just got one and i haven't started playing it yet but i got the wild west one um and you like actually build a town on a grid map over the course of playing it and you are a cowboy doing cowboy shit cool um so you can like read the text the dialogue of the characters and it'll tell you what to do but also sometimes like in the graphic because it's a comic there will be like a number that's obfuscated or like in a shadow or something and those numbers are also like things you can interact with or do so it kind of brings that like card game escape room tech into role-playing and text um which I mentioned just because those are things that are vi- that specifically the Van Ryder series is something you could buy right now and play, um, which is cool rather than a lot of the stuff we come up with, which is theory. And then we don't put the, we don't want to follow up on. Um, but so going back to what you're saying uh, of, of writing something like this, rather than something that would, I, I think the design that, that, you're pitching where like pages are glued together or otherwise like physically inaccessible is awesome and not, but not available on any kind of large scale. Right. This is, this is an art project you would make a handful of copies of, which is extremely valid and, and very cool. Um, but if you wanted to make something that was more viable for a print run, um, even just having rooms or, locations or or whatever like key boxes right as the sort of like eight page one page zine and having whatever Mm, is inside of them being on the like interior spread of the paper i know i've struggled to describe this in the past of like the single (laughs) piece of paper that you fold up to make an eight page zine the secret side the secret side that's where you put intel and then you have the other ones it would be almost like a legacy. Like you have a box set in here is 16 one page zines and you know, 10 of them are stapled shut. So you can read the first six and then you gather the information from those six and it'll tell you which ones to open next or like how to pursue further stuff. But then you also have this sort of building stories by Chris Ware, which is another thing I've talked about on the show, but talked about to you in private a lot of this like boxed set of comics where there's no linear or, or designated order sequence to, to read them. So they all inform this location and these characters, but the sequence of chronology is not important. So you have this box set, 16 zines, you have six of them available when you open them, but the order in which you read those six is going to just be randomized by your preference. Uh, and reading them in different orders might yield different results or like mm-hmm. even just like different thought patterns. Yeah. I, I love that idea, especially of having the, you know, eightfold scenes, um, as 
establishing like different wings of this dungeon or you know whatever we're just using dungeon as a signifier here but um and then being able to fold open to the secret side and then you're creating the dungeon map of everywhere you've been i think that so that's definitely something and, and it's very cool what if on top of that each like class i guess has its own one page scene or something like that so uh, going with the dungeon like exploratory because um a puzzly kind of thing like this is is an experience that I think works really well for one player. But if you add player abilities or story, again, I think that, you know, to harp on the idea of bringing this tech to the story game, we have character roles and scenes and stuff. Mm. And so you each have your own zine that maybe it says like goals or special abilities or like prompts that you otherwise have exclusive, like the, the thief and, and the mage have different, tasks and maybe they're like you want to do x y and z and once you do x y and z you're able to like open this new zine or um oh yeah so like when you each yeah each player has their little zine that has but you know the secret objectives they need to complete and the group objectives and how they advance and like a locked page that unlocks when they do their thing and uh when you complete each wing you are able to uh unfold the zine revealing the secrets of the paper that is a dungeon layout and uh depending on what's happening you can do your it turns into a tower defense style lane thing where you put each character zine somewhere on the map you're creating and then you play out you know dungeon tactical combat or whatever it is um and you're able to uh rearrange all of the wing maps that you've created to have a more advantageous kind of tower defense lane that you're creating yeah i really like the the hybridization that we often do but i think that really is excelling here too if even like say the mage's prompt is like um you know you you find a, a page in your spell book that was written with someone else's hand like who was it and how did they access your spell book or, or like why did they add a spell to your book or something mm-hmm. so it's just extremely story focused right this is something that maybe the consequence of which only exists in your character's development or attitude but then maybe say you resolve it you share or you learn that who it was that wrote it and why then you open up and you're like oh this is the spell that they gave you now you have this spell yeah right it's so i i really like the mechanical or like tactical or technical reward for hitting story beats. Yeah. Um, I would love if there's a lose condition, like if you set like pages of your own character zine will be ripped out. If you choose the wrong choice or fuck up the tactical element or whatever. And so you both get more powerful, the less pages you have, maybe because there's less procedure to your spells. Say you're doing the mage or, uh, you know, you're sneakier if you're the rogue because you're holding less shit. Um, that's the the more dangerous, but the more uh, glass cannony, the more weak or able to die you get. And so, you know, through the game, when you go to different wings, a zine can have a smaller zine inside of it. That is a new character that you have the option of picking. So you're Ooh. creating this troop of uh, armed dungeon murderers who are need to escape. <laughs> um, but you know, your, uh, cleric who you brought in immediately might, uh, might be dead by the time you meet, you know, the artificer or the trickster person. I like this a lot too. I'm also picturing maybe you have these eight page zines per class. And again, it maybe I, I think maybe even flavor it, right? Like the mage's eight page scene is their spell book. I'm holding physically my character's Ooh, spell book. Yes, Adam. Or yes. Again, the rogue, like this is my items list. I have one item per page in here. So or these are, you know, these are all my knives that have the names of my enemies on them. Oh, and make them. Yeah. Like Arya's kill list in game of Thrones yeah, or something. Yeah. Like once you accomplish one, you, you tear it out. But so, Ooh, so yeah. then you have different goals too. This is very asymmetric. Like the rogue wants to kill everyone on their list, but the wizard doesn't want to expel all their spells. They're kind of hoarding it, if anything. Or, um, you know, there there could be other things. But then, I like the destructive aspect too, especially in the eight-page format because 
all the while you're doing this and playing in this way, there might be something on the B side that you don't know that you're <gasps> yeah. destroying. And yeah, I think like, that's your epilogue or your like your ending or your resolution mechanic in some way of like how how together is your zine at the end of your saga and that's like how together you are or like what you accomplished can be physically measured by how fucked up your zine is. Yeah, like let's say the uh the coward is a character that you can play and their B side is a list of all the times they've ever uh, run away or not acted when they needed to. And so by the time you've played this character completely out, it only says uh, whatever the last time was. But if you never play them out and they are always doing that, the entire B-side is just a list of, you know, every time they've ever run away. So they can both be like the good ending or the bad ending yeah. based on the character. There is a, a game... Uh... I think it's called To Serve Her Wintry Hunger. And yes, it was an Ashcan. Stephen Dewey. Yep, I was going to say the designer of Ten Candles, um, Stephen Dewey. And in it, you have these, if you ever made like paper snowflakes in school, basically like you fold a piece of paper into kind of like a cone shape. And when you cut on the edge of it, um, that cut is reflected through the, the symmetry of the folds. And when you unfold the whole thing, you have a snowflake. So that game mechanizes that system of like when you do something in a particular way, you get to cut another character's piece of paper or you get to tear or, or draw on or whatever, destroy in some way this piece of paper. And then at the end of the game, you unfold it and you have your snowflake and the snowflake by the nature of this, this crafty like thing that we did as as kids in elementary school you have unique dis- physical visual display of your experience in character that's that's really cool really powerful and like clever in a crafty way i think ours is that in a more gritty kind of like uh i like the idea of maybe you have to tear it you can't use scissors or some shit um or you know different characters have to do different things like oh yeah this- the soothsayer can take out uh, any element of their sheet, but they have to, you know, cut through two pages to do it or something like that. Pyromancer just lights their zine <gasps> on fire and has yeah. to blow it out before the whole thing is consumed. Yes. Oh, yeah. So this is pretty banging. I'd like to. I'd like to fucking play this. Um, yeah, and obviously we would reskin it as maybe like goth mystery nights or something like that <laughs> or like yeah I, I i so i think we have idea for like how classes function and i think we did a pretty good example of that let's take that let's take a break and when we come back we're gonna make it not generic fantasy and we're gonna give it we're, we're gonna focus a little bit more on the setting or like the world that you're interacting with beyond your own character stuff yeah different approaches we could take or to make this not generic fantasy. And one of the things I was thinking of during break is, is obviously or thinking of every day is Morkborg. Uh, of every just day having, I think about the Morkborg. <laughs> uh, Morkborg rolls everything around me. <laughs> it's where, where you have this thread, like, get the money journey ish focus, right? You're not necessarily dungeon crawling in that game because the scale is, different the world is going to end so what are you going to do with 20 gold pieces you find in the basement um it's more about like big targets and gonna eat the gold um i i obviously adore that game i think it is maybe still too fantasy for what we want and i also think the antagonism that comes with that setting is maybe not what we want to focus on 
I think, again, to make it story driven or story heavy, you want to you, I, I think some character antagonism between one another is good. But at the end, I, I, I struggle. This is a thing with fantasy games in general, too. Like. It, it's hard to have a party of f- four or five player characters who all hate each other or, or have like beef and like, yeah, uh, but still have to work together like it, it can be challenging. Um, to extrapolate, though, on the journey idea, I there there's this book Into the Weird and Wild, which is a setting book by Charles B.F. Avery. And it is basically treating overland travel as its own dungeon. It's really great book. Um, and I also have a soft spot for the designer, writer, layout, artist, graphic designer and illustrator of, of the same <laughs> book. Um so it has all this like system agnostic stuff, the setting stuff about making forest things create like creepy monsters and shit. But then there's also all this procedure for like generating hexes and like um, just treating overland travel as a, as a dungeon in its own mechanical way. And I think there's some really interesting stuff there. So treating our game as, as questy, like going from point A to point B with something tumultuous in between Um but uh, what I'm maybe going to pitch is, is the thing we pursue. I also have this book in my hand called A Town Called Malice by David Kizia. It's uh, mm. published by Monkey Fun Studios. This was a Kickstarter I got like a year ago. Um, a Nordic horror story game. So it is sort of Twin Peaksy or like Wayward Pines uh, in that the town is strange the people who live there have maybe hidden motives or work in their own kind of unique ways. Um, and then there's also something being hidden. Uh, so in a town called Malice, that thing that's hidden is usually monster based. And there's a thing that I, I, I don't love about the game is that like, say our town, our economy's not doing great, but we're going to open the hotel on August 1st. And it's going to be a big boon to the city because of tourism and money and all that stuff. But then also there's werewolves and like over the course of the game, the werewolves, you're sort of like hedging your bets on like what is going to go wrong here. Like how much Mm. time can we spend investigating these werewolves uh, lest we miss our responsibilities with the opening of the hotel? So like Legionnaire's disease. (laughs) uh, And in a, in a more relatable or, or like, generally understood cultural touchstone in twin peaks you have the murder investigation as the core like conceit of the show on paper but really that's not what the show is about and it takes a very long time for more to come out but there's also like all the intrigue and stuff with with their hotel that's going on there and like there's some like small like town politics stuff going on so i think we go with weird weird town or like community Mm. focused um it's not necessarily about exploring an unknown space so much as it is about navigating a known space that has its own issues right so like in in the game that i'm foreseeing we're all either residents of or newcomers to or visitors of this town that has like strangeness be, be below the surface it just hit the event horizon of the bizarro world that it is like and so the, yes. the inciting event of the game is like you can't leave the town anymore and so that's the domain like to think of like a frame of this game as like a domain and all the zines in it that you work through and unfold the b-sides of as the wings and the you know the troop of characters that you can select from uh, you know, like the the B side of a zine, w- one of the wings could be the school, and then you do your school storyline, and then you unlock the school to go to, and then you, you know, the game already creates this like A B day night cycle, um, where during the day you do the story, and during the night you do the defense where your life is in danger or something like that. This works really well with like a Buffy esque thing too. Like yeah. Sunnydale always has all this shit, and some of the people here are oblivious but some of them are doing this like tactical 
war against the vampires that's going to take forever. Um, but yeah, during the day, you don't really do vampire shit. You have to go to school. My or, endless tactical vampire war. <laughs> or, you, you know, like during the day, you're getting picked on by the popular girls. Yeah. And like that's its own drama. But the, and it sort of has consequences for the, the other thing. Like both of them kind of feed into one another right like if you you get your kick at you get your ass kicked by some vampires and you show up for school with bruises and stuff like the bullies are going to be like what'd you do fall down klutz or whatever <laughs> um but then also like getting made fun of brings your morale down and yeah. then you go into battle that night and you're like i am a klutz and then you like get hit by a vampire and, and it's like bo- both of them their consequences or the fallout affect the other and i think that works really well in uh, having the characters be cognizant of the weirdness and also kind of part of it. Whereas in Twin Peaks, a lot of the characters are sort of not part of the weirdness. Yeah, I think I, I definitely latch a little bit more onto The Return rather than... I I still not watched it. I was thinking about that very recently. It's a good movie. Oh, it's a movie? I thought it was a whole, like, like long series. Welcome to phase one of Understanding Twin Peaks Return. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that da- that David Lynch just said what the whole thing was about? It's on YouTube. It's a fucking movie. No, he calls it a film, and so does some important French people. So, Adam, I'm here to tell you it's a movie. Sure. <laughs> But anyway, that one has a lot of more upfront macro world ending weird shit happening. Um Yeah. Um I love this. Um I, you know, like the weird town generation um that it could just be anywhere America. Is this is this Game Island? I think this is Game Island. Holy shit. Cuz cuz I love one, it's infinitely expandable. You just go, oh, there's two new mini scenes. Yeah, there's we a new domain. Edition. It's the it's the city near the town. Or we have the town fair. Happy July. We have the town fair. We could do like Animal Crossing. Like it's <sighs> July, so we have events. And the town go fair swimming now has like a pie eating contest and like has the pigs. Once you do the pie eating contest and you ride the roller coaster and you win a prize at the games and like you do. Um, I don't know, like six interior activities. Then you open it up and you're like, oh, actually, um, the, the the roller coaster rides were built in a way that it's actually a summoning circle. And um, <laughs> turns out that by engaging with the fair that you're now like actively participating in this summoning ritual. And here's all X, Y and Z. This is the new like tactical focused aspect of it. You you did all the story stuff during you did or or I guess you did all the daytime stuff. Here's all the nighttime stuff. Right. Uh, and it, you know it comes with a new character. Like you get the uh, the carney. The carney is the, the character. Carney. Please. <laughs> yes. Okay. The carney. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Uh. Yeah. This definitely sounds like Game Island. Uh. I feel For those like of you just tuning in, Game Island is going to be Brain Trust Two when we do the Kickstarter again. I think we maybe have edited out almost every mention of Game Island in the in past episodes, so <laughs> it's hard to tell how much listener, even the most devout listener, it's hard to tell how much you'll know. How much you fucking know? Um, yeah, I mean, it also feeds into our uh, worker placement modification board game game. Yeah, locations being sort of modular and characters being not not stagnant i think they're still dynamic but they are they're the constant lines yeah your characters are the constant and the world around them is always changing it would be cool to bring different characters through zines or wings that you've already completed and they've changed based on the last thing in there so you're filling out there's a legacy aspect based on you know the the zine allows you to make changes to things marked like journey one like you don't even find you know the mirror door until you go the third time and then you get to open this other zine i think but too there um friend of the show jason brown in our queen crumbles has this really nice system of like you pick a character class there's four of them in the book and they each have They're a couple so cool. tra- traits and you mark traits and then you also have like um oh, i wish i had it in front of me but 
but basically like um, aspects of your character that you reveal through play. And when you reveal them, you just check it off. So you have this kind of front loaded, like when, when I played it, I was the, uh, I was a golem. I think I was basically a hive mind of cubes that would assemble into a gallows. So I was the, like the executioner of, uh, of the queen's hand, but I was also like just a bunch of cute. I could rearrange myself into different structures. So cool. And some of that was informed by these traits that I could check off. And if I were to have played longer, we, we only played for like an hour and a half. So I only ended up checking like two or three traits and the rest I was filling in. But, um, if I were to have played longer or the sort of, uh, spin-off Gollum game that I helped Jason with for uh, Big Bad Con last year. Um, has you sort of playing in a more nebulous way of like, we're at an event and some people have this card and I'll have a conversation with them in character and then I'll check off a box. So you learn about your character as you play. I think that functions really well. Again, if we circled back to how character, I, I really like the destructive aspect that we were playing with but maybe the B side is this like trait list and the characters grow over time by how you interact with it. But mm. I think too, to go with this carnival idea that I'm hung up on, cause I just picture it. It's just so cool. Um, First plant DLC. You do the, the de- X, Y, Z kind of mon- not even mundane, just like fun summer fair style things. Then you open it up and you have the less, well, it's fun as a player, but less fun in the story. The more dire bad yeah. things happening. And then you either accomplish it or you don't. Whatever that means, like whatever accomplishment means. But then maybe you have like six checks at the bottom of like, once you've finished this module, check one of these. So when you come back, it's changed. But we also, as designers, get to in some way guide the way in which it changes. Right. So it's not always a free for all. And it's not always like, uh, it's always kind of a bummer when you ask a player to come up with something and then you're like on the spot and you're like, Oh shit, I don't know. Like if I had some guidance or if I had half an hour, I could come up with something really good. But right now I'm just having a brain fart. So Mm -hmm. like having these options and, and Jason does this really well because all of the trait lists in our queen crumbles the last one is make your own. So like you've been given these examples of how this could work, but you're always allowed to make up your own shit. So I think having this as fallout for each kind of module or whether it be character or environment fallout or both or whatever, that's a really great ongoing thing to, like you said, revisit these things either as different characters or as times past you can do the same module and have it be different experience. Motherfucking game Island rules. Yeah. Game Island rules. Also, I feel like this iteration of game Island is so much more reeled in. Yeah. It's a lot stronger. We, we talked to just to give more insight on things that have been cut out of discussions of like, (laughs) we've talked about uh, like modular game design and how playing it changes the rules. Or, like, maybe you have a little zine that's just about archery. So, like, you didn't have rangers before, but now you do. Or if you don't overopen the scene, you don't have to have rangers in your game or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we had that. We also were, like, toying with setting of, like, we, we know we want to do something weird because that's just us. Um, and I brought up Summer Camp Island from Cartoon Network a few times of just, like, here's this location which again like you said earlier in this episode is restricted insofar as you're on an island but the island itself can contain whatever um there's monsters there's witches it's it's whatever it's cool um but the whole game the whole story will take place on and around this island and you're not going to go back to the mainland because that's not what this game is um obviously game island has it in the title it is island <laughs> it is restricted location but i think you know, like you said, you have swimming, you have other, like it, it, you, you never want your restricted setting to feel restricted. Right. Like, especially when you are faced with just a box full of zines that you can go to. Yeah. Just infinite potential. And so in one game session, you can knock out like four of them. 
Yeah, or you could play for an hour and just do one or yeah. or two. Because I, I, I think that's the thing we both like a lot, too, is having not just a modularity in the way that you play, but, like, in your responsibility to the game and to your other players. Like, today I only want to play for, like, 40 minutes. Can we play a module? Yeah, sure. But today, or, like, next week, I want to crunch down. I want to play a long... I want to play, like, three hours. You could do that, too. And then you can pick, like, oh, then we'll do, you know, the the major storyline one that's four linked zines together. Ooh, that makes me think of, like, I, I got really into the Arkham Horror card game, the living Ooh. card game. Ooh. And they have these, like, five-deck long story arcs, but then they would have, like, one deck that, like, kind of takes place. They're all, like, spin-off episodes, or um, they're the kind of episode of TV where it doesn't progress the meta plot. Mm. It's just, like, a, a bottle episode. Um that yeah that's that's fun and that opens up a lot of potential too like i want to hang out with our characters but i don't maybe want to approach the the big bad or the season finale or whatever like to think about it as tv let's just yeah. have kind of a burner let's just have a good time and let's go swimming today and like oh we're going to find uh, you know a mermaid or some shit and it's going to get weird because that's the game but it won't be as plot or character consequential as something mm-hmm. like doing the fi- the summer fairground summoning ritual, which would be yeah, the like, whole big thing. We're gonna go fight the the ring fit dragon as the, <laughs> the final thing, and yeah, then you the know, way, like each you fight each... the kettlebell monsters and stuff, and those are just like two two minute combat encounters. They're much <laughs> they're much less intense. And each thing, you know, like so you can self select, like oh, we know this romance uh, wing of the adventure will be. Um, will be very impactful to two characters. So do we want to, like, you know, get to know a new character here, or do we want to save this for somebody who, you know, really, who we really think would nail it? There's this really interesting hybridization, too, as we as we explore this, of character-focused stuff, and, and it, it combines all these really great tech of, like, secret information seek stuff that is known to players but like secret to the characters so i get dramatic irony um and then also just like deliberate choice right it, it, everything is present and it sort of you get to and you get to play it in the style that you want so to go back to way earlier in the episode where i was saying like when we were talking about key rings and shit big honking, uh, big honking ones that <laughs> you you want the players to have all the information up front but you also want to be able to surprise and reward them. And that's what this does. It gives you the option of knowing as much as you want to a certain limit and then learning as you go to continue. Yeah. Beyond like, just like a tutorial level in a video game. Now you get choice in how much you know and how much you want to be surprised. Right. Like, you know, the nutrition facts of each adventure, but you don't know how it tastes or, what yeah. the fuck it's gonna do to your body after <laughs> you eat it yeah that's very cool wow um well we've already tipped our hat that we are making this so accidentally a great uh again we accidentally did it again we I gave feel you, like we needed it for our we own we gave you a couple real fucked up bad ones <laughs> and here we are <laughs> we needed it for just to remind ourselves that we're capable of it yeah it was for us, not you. <laughs> uh, but this episode will serve as a teaser, or we'll pro- we'll link it when whenever we decide to pursue it, this design. But Ga- Game Island, I think, uh, w- we've put enough brainstorming in that it is a thing that will exist in time. Yeah. No, there's no timeline and there's no kind of expectation, but I think be- besides the stuff we've cut from the show, this is one of our more developed concepts that the that i was going to say the show but really just will and myself talking at length about game theory um just gave birth to something and and it's become something we keep coming back to in a way that makes it clear that like it's something we both want to make real yeah we we love the style of play and it yeah it it has all these really great pieces of stuff that we love and i think it's iconoclastic 
that modularity it's like that is little worm it. in the apple car driving around the city uh i can picture the worm <laughs> you know this worm in the apple car yeah i need to look them up it's like busy city busy town or something i played that computer game the lowly worm by richard oh. scary that sucks. <laughs> Lowly Worm. I yeah, the busy scary. world of Richard Scary and Busy Town Mysteries. Busy which Town is Mysteries. Kind of what we're doing. If you're not fucking inspired, if you're if your Bible is not Busy Town Mystery Nights by Richard Scary and the Lowly Worm. <laughs> tag yourself. I'm the worm. Um You know what? Let's uh before we have more good ideas, let's sign off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the mysteries are filled through ins- insect reporter Gold Bug. Their name is Gold, last name Bug. Who comes with a microphone in his own personal news van. Oh yeah. Uh I I remember the news van. Yeah, we're going on a journey now. Uh journey's over. My name's Adam. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. The great app. This is the end of the road, and my name is Williams, and this is where you die. Uh, Brain shake emoji, hand brain emoji.